Welcome to Faithful Doubt. My name is Jordan. Today, we're talking about Abraham. Hey guys, welcome to this episode. Uh, we are continuing in the Bible right now. In the last episode, we covered the story of Noah. Today, we are moving on to the story of Abraham. Uh, and before we get there, Please remember to like, follow, and subscribe to all of our platforms, all of our socials. It's just Faithful Doubt on Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Instagram is faithful underscore doubt. Uh, also, don't forget the website, uh, faithfuldoubtpodcast.com. You can go there, find all the episodes, uh, get cool merchandise, stuff like that. So, uh, and, and from now on, what I want to do every episode is I'm going to promote a local organization, charity, uh, or ministry, uh, from Indianapolis. So for my, for those listeners, those of you watching that are not from Indianapolis might not mean a lot to you, but I still want to bring awareness to these local organizations. So today our organization is Hope Center Indy. Hope Center Indy is an anti-trafficking organization and refuge in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana, and they provide a safe place for victims to heal as well as a network of resources to facilitate recovery and uh, safe reintegration into the community. So if you know someone affected by sex trafficking or um, uh, you happen to be someone, please reach out to Hope Center Indy, uh, or if you would like to support them, go to hopecenterindy.org and you can find ways how you can contribute to end sex trafficking there. So thanks to Hope Center Indy. Um, now, today we are talking about the story of Abraham. Abraham, Father Abraham, right? Pretty big uh, figure in the Old Testament and actually for three major the three major religions of the world. Obviously, Abraham is uh, big in the Jewish faith, um, uh, if not the one of the biggest, and uh, he's also big in the uh, Muslim faith. So... Uh, Abraham is a story that probably most people have heard of. They know who Abraham is, but perhaps you haven't uh, really dived into it and or dove into it. I think that's the right word. Uh, and today, I, I'm not going to be able to cover the entire story of Abraham, but I want to get to the important parts. And I think probably one of the most important parts of the story of Abraham is in Genesis 22 when God tests him and uh, tells him, commands him to sacrifice his son, Isaac. I think that's probably one of the biggest uh, points of contention for a lot of atheists in scripture, right? Like if God is, if, if God is so loving and he's a good God, why would he command Abraham to kill his only son? Uh, I think, it might have been Richard Dawkins that compared that to child abuse and uh, uh, God is, you know, telling, saying God is evil because he's telling Abraham to kill his only son. So this Genesis 22 is, is pretty loaded and I want to get into that today. But before we get there, let's let's make sure we understand at least some of the story of Abraham. And to do that, you start in Genesis 12. Uh and he's not called Abraham at all. He's called Abram uh, and his wife, Sarai, who becomes Sarah later on. So they go by different names at this point. 
And we see in Genesis 12, the beginning of, of, his, of Abram's relationship with God, God calls him into this covenant where he says, I'm going to create a nation and bless you and multiply uh, your descendants. And so he, God calls him to go from his current country to a new one to form a new nation. And we have the first, this covenant with Abram. That is, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So uh, Abram, as he's traveling out of his country with his family, ends up going to Egypt because there's a severe famine affecting the land. And uh, when he gets to Egypt, he's actually worried about the Egyptians killing him and taking Sarai because she's such a beautiful woman. And uh, you could say Abram is maybe being paranoid or thinks, you know, you know, why, why is he acting in this way? Well, one, the, the, the point of this is he's not trusting God. God has told him to go out of his nation to create a new one, and he's, he's now worried that he's going to be killed. Well, God just promised you that <laughs> that he's going to create a nation through you. So do you really trust God? And this is the theme that we're going to see throughout the story of Abraham is that he's not trusting God with his life, with the promises that have been made to him. And so in order to protect himself and save Sarai, he uh, lies to the Egyptians and says that she is his sister, not his wife. Well, as you keep reading on, uh, that becomes a problem because Pharaoh finds Sarah to be so beautiful that he actually takes her as his wife. Well, and because he does that, the Lord, God brings disease upon Pharaoh's house and family. And Pharaoh ends up, we don't know how, he ends up finding out that this is Abram's wife, not his sister. And he asks Abram, why did you lie to me? Why would you, why would you bring this affliction upon me by telling me that, that, this is your sister. And Pharaoh could have killed Abram. I think in any, uh, any story kind of similar to this, we would think, well, the guy, you know, the king, Pharaoh, he's going to kill Abram. Instead, he, he sends Abram and his family away and spares him. Again, this is showing Abram doesn't trust God, and yet God has, is keeping him alive. Uh, and then a couple chapters later, as uh, you know, there's some events that happen. They travel to other parts of the countryside. Sarai convinces Abram to take her servant Hagar and have offspring with her because Sarai hasn't she hasn't provided offspring for Abram yet, and so she wants him to have offspring. So uh, they're being, <laughs> in a way, Sarai and Abram again are not trusting God. They are getting impatient. They are not believing in the promise that has been made. And so Abram actually agrees to take Hagar, sleep with her, and have a child. And so this is where Ishmael, Abram's oldest son, comes from. And his mother is Hagar. Uh, then we get to the covenant of circumcision with Abram. And this brings new names for both Abram and Sarai. This is the last time they'll be called that. From now on, it is Abraham and Sarah. And you may be asking, well, why do they need new names? One of, the, one of the things that happens all the time throughout Scripture is when people experience a renewal or a new life in, in God, 
they receive a new identity, a new name. So we have Saul in the New Testament becomes Paul. Here we have Abram become Abraham. Sarai become Sarah. Uh, and so this brings their new names, and it also brings a new promise. Uh, we see an angel appear before Sarah and Abram, uh, excuse me, Abraham, and he promises that Sarah is going to have a child. And she's what, what we read is she's well past uh, the, the age of bearing children. So um, we don't know the exact age, but obviously it's significantly uh, older than the normal age of having child, uh, children. So in response to that promise that's made to her by the angel, she actually laughs. She laughs in response to the promise that she's going to have a child. And the angel asks, why is she laughing? And the question that always uh, sticks out to me that the angel asks is, is anything too hard for the Lord? And if you can take that question, you could kind of graph that over Abraham's life. Is anything too hard for the Lord to do? That's kind of the question you can take and just, that is the theme of, of Abraham's story, is there's nothing that God can't do, and Abraham, ha Abraham has to learn that lesson over and over and over. Well, it, nothing is too hard for, for God to do, and in fact, Isaac is born from Sarah and Abraham, and Isaac is the youngest son, and if you don't know your history— in those days, the firstborn received almost all of the inheritance, if not all of it. And so uh, in Scripture, what we always see is the oldest, the youngest son is, is favored over the oldest son. And this is why Scripture is countercultural, and you have to know how to read Scripture because something is, there, there's a difference between a descriptive and prescriptive in Scripture. So we see all the time in scripture that uh, the firstborn getting the inheritance, being the favorite, favorite son is turned on its head every time. And also we see that uh, committing polygamy and adultery happens a lot in the old Testament, right? We just saw that with Abram sleeping with Hagar, but it was just, it was destructive. It, it, you know, scripture's not telling us that it's okay to sleep, to, to have multiple wives or mistresses and have and polygamy. In fact, it's, it's showing us why we're not supposed to, because it's destructive. It, it destroys generations financially, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically. It, it's destructive. And so we see that uh, the firstborn being favored is turned on its head, and, and polygamy and adultery is destructive in this case. And so Isaac is born. And this is where we're going to get to Genesis 22, which is where I want to spend the rest of our time. And again, it's so important to know how to read scripture because if we read the Bible as a rule book, as a guide to morality as a, you know, this is how we can be a good person. And for a lot of Christians that is the case, but non-Christians, those of you watching or listening, I want you to hear this. The Bible is not a book of rules. It's not a guidebook on how we're supposed to live. It's not a, it's not a, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't shape our morality. That's not the purpose of scripture. 
Because when you when you turn it into that, it, it crumbles between your fingers. It's not being read the way it was meant to be read. And I'll, and I'll show you why. If you have that mindset that it's a guidebook or a rule book, Genesis 22 is a complete scandal. It's, it's a horrible story, and it's a barrier to faith. But if you read Scripture as it's intended, it's a testimony. Everything, I say this all the time, everything in Scripture points to Jesus Christ. Everything from the Old Testament points towards him. Everything in the New Testament either points to him or back to him. And so when you read through that lens of Scripture, that everything is pointing towards Jesus Christ, all of a sudden the Bible becomes something completely different. It's truth and it's hope. And it, and it speaks to everyone in any age. It doesn't matter how many thousands of years later, it still speaks to us because it's fixed on this one truth that you can, you can read in John chapter 1, verse 29. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, I, and in Genesis 22, right, this is, a, this is where God tells Abraham to go up to the Mount, Mount Moriah and uh, sacrifice Isaac on an altar. And he's testing Abraham. And if, if you are a Christian and you haven't thought about this story and you haven't had the thought, why would God command someone to do that? You're not being honest with the text. It, it should make us ask that question. Why would God tell someone to kill their child? Because how many times in history has horrible violence, horrible acts of murder been justified by people saying, oh, well, God commanded me to do it. And we have to take a real hard look at that because does that line up with Scripture at all? Well, I'm going to go into this a little bit. Now, Genesis 22, if we look at that, uh, Abraham is commanded to take Isaac up the mountain with wood for an altar, and he's going to build an altar, place Isaac on it, and kill him. And Isaac is actually wearing the, the, the sacrificial knife, which is, that's, uh, you know, it, it, this, reading the story can, it can be so, it, can, it, it really just makes you question a lot about Scripture. And for, I think for a lot of Christians, we just kind of place this story out of our mind. We don't want to talk about it because it's really hard to read. And it makes you cringe and it makes you question, you know, is everything in the Bible really good? Is everything in the Bible, you know, is it helpful? Is it, is it the truth? And then if you compare this story, so Abraham has got, got the wood on his back. He's taking the son. He's a beloved. He loves his son. We know that. He doesn't want to do this. He's a loving father. He loves his son. His son is walking up faith, faithfully, obediently up the mountain with him with wood strapped on his back. And Abraham places Isaac on the altar. And right before he's about to kill him, God says, don't touch him. Do not touch him. I have provided the sacrifice that's necessary. And we see that there's a ram uh, in, the, in the bushes, in the thicket. And Abraham sacrifices the ram on the altar. And if you read that story just as written, 
just as words on a page, it sounds horrible. But if you read it through the lens of Jesus Christ, you'll see that everything in the story points to Jesus. And what we know is later on, the Jews build their temple on Mount Moriah. Uh, and compare this to the story of Jesus Christ, okay? Jesus walks up to the mount with a, a cross on his back, just like Isaac has the wood strapped to his back. He's the faithful, obedient son to a loving father. And he's walking up the mountain. And why is he doing this? Because he, he loves the father and he trusts in the father. And this, again, if you go back to the whole point of the story of Abraham, it's learning to trust. Abraham has finally learned the lesson at this point in Genesis 22 that God can do anything. And he trusts him fully. And he's being tested with that trust. Does Abraham want to kill Isaac? Of course not. Does God want Abraham to kill Isaac? Of course not. That's not the point of the story. The point is that there will have to be a sacrifice made for all of humanity, for our sin, to cleanse us, to save us. And Jesus is going to be the ram. He's actually going to be the lamb, right? That's, that walks up that mountain with a cross on his back to the altar to, to sacrifice himself to save us from sin. And so all of this is like a giant neon sign pointing to the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And the connections are so obvious, it's almost like an allegory. There's a loving father, there's an obedient son walking toward his death, there's wood strapped to his back, there's a substitutionary ram. And so I, I ask the question, when you read Genesis 22, what do you actually see? Do you see a horrible story of an evil God commanding someone to kill their son? Or do you see, this is what you're supposed to see, and what I hope you see, a father's love for his son, a son's trust in his father, and a promised blessing being passed down by faith from one generation to the next until it gets to you and me. That promise is the, light, is the promise and hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ for all of us. And so the line, Jesus will come from the line of Abraham. He will come from Isaac. And that's why it's so hard to read Genesis 22 for a lot of people because Abraham is being committed. He knows that salvation will come through Isaac at some point, that Isaac is the future of the promise, that he is the blessing. And God is asking him to sacrifice that blessing and promise. Abraham doesn't want to do that. And you, have, you would have to imagine in his mind, he's thinking, okay, if this is the prom, if my son is the line of the promise and God's telling me to kill him, I don't know why, but I'm trusting that God has a plan. I, I'm trusting that God knows what he's doing and he can do anything he wants. And in fact, Abraham might have thought, God is going to resurrect Isaac if I do this. We don't really know. But he has experienced resurrection in his own life over and over and over. He has not trusted the Lord, and yet God has resurrected him, has saved him multiple times. And so Genesis 22 can be a very difficult story for us to read, but if you read it through the lens of Jesus Christ, it's actually a story of hope. And it's, and it's a story of mercy and grace, and it points to Jesus Christ. And so the story of Abraham 
Abraham is this amazing figure, father figure that we have, the father, a father of faith, right? But he's nothing. No, he pales in comparison to Jesus Christ and what he does for all of us on the cross. So that is kind of the story of Abraham uh, in a very short, abridged version. Uh, I encourage you to read it for yourself. Uh, Genesis 12 to Genesis 22 is, is kind of what I covered today. Uh, and um, again, if you have questions on anything I've talked about today, or if you have any other comments that you want to make on this story, perhaps you have thoughts on Genesis 22 yourself that I would be interested to hear. Maybe you have something I've never heard before. So please comment on this video or send a message uh, what you think of it. And as always, guys, I'll see you next time.